Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Come on. Let me know you're here. <clears throat> hey, these mailers went out. Fantastic. Uh, we, are mail we mail out 5,000 mailers to surrounding homes. Uh, so these are in mailboxes. This is not, I want to be clear, this is not the primary way people are going to come to church. But what this does is it gives credibility to your invite when you invite someone to church. Linda was sharing Thursday night during prayer. We were praying for the upcoming Christmas service for anybody that might attend. Linda was sharing. She went to Price Shopper, and she shared with the cashier. She said, hey, listen, I'm from Redeeming Love Church down the street. And the cashier said to her, I've heard of that church. This is why. And so now you've got credibility. When you're out there and you hand out your Christmas invite card, which we'll have for you next week, when you hand out your invite cards, which we have in the foyers in the track racks today, you hand out your invite card, Redeeming Love Church, they know where you're from. They've heard of you before, right? We're not just like, who, is, who are these people? Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. They say it takes seven points of contact before somebody will come to church. Here's number one. You're number two. Go do the invite card. Maybe, maybe enough of us will get there and they'll get to seven, right? Amen? Amen. Come on. Put this on your fridge. Pray for it. Pray for the people that would be receiving this. 5,000 homes are going to be receiving this invite card. 5,000 homes are going to be receiving this mailer. Pray for those 5,000 homes. Pray. That's going to represent over 10,000 people. Pray for those 10,000 people. What, what would happen if 10,000 people showed up here on Christmas Eve service? Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We'll have it in the parking lot. Amen, amen, amen. I want to wrap up the sharing series this morning, and today's message is entitled, Share Joy. Share Joy, right? God has given us some stuff, and we're to share what he's done in our lives with others. The first thing that we have to do if we want to share joy is we have to have joy. How many of you know you can't give away something you don't have? Peter and John sitting at the gate, uh, Peter and John go up to the gate beautiful, right? This is a story from Acts, Acts 2. And the beggar man sitting there says, hey, he's begging. P Peter responds and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And so he was able to give away the power of God because he possessed the power of God. As Christians, we should be able to give away joy because we have joy. We should be able to share joy because we have joy. I've, I've mentioned this before. I've been talking about joy for a long, long time. Everybody's cashing in on joy at this time of the year. You see it everywhere you go. It's on everything. It's on your coffee cup. It's on your hand soap. <laughs> the hand soap in the men's room, has, it says, joy. Of course. Everybody's coffee... Drink up some joy. No, you don't get joy from a coffee. That's not where joy comes from. There's not joy in the hand soap. I don't wash my hands. I'm happy now. No. That's not where you, but everybody's trying to cash in on it. Everybody's trying to say, hey, if you have my product, you'll have joy. Not true. As Christians, we know the true source, the true source of joy. Psalm 51, verse 12, David says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. There is a direct correlation between joy and salvation. There is a direct correlation between joy 
and knowing your eternal destiny. When our reality is anchored in eternity, it changes the way that we process things in the natural. When our reality is anchored in eternity, it changes the way that we process things in the natural. I'm going to say it again. It's still sinking, and I can tell. You haven't got it yet. I heard someone say, when our reality is anchored in eternity, it changes the way that we process things in the natural. I live in this world. I exist here. My body functions here. But my reality is based on heaven. It's based on the reality of my salvation. I live in heaven. I just get my mail here. I'm a citizen of heaven. I am a stranger and a pilgrim on the earth. I am a stranger passing through. This world is foreign to me. I'm anchored in eternity. I'm anchored in heaven. And so when the challenges of this life come, I face them very differently than if my reality was anchored here. Because if my reality is anchored here in this life, in this earth, when this earth passes away, when family passes away, when the money burns up, when the house burns down, when the family leaves, when whatever happens, happens, your car gets ruined, the possessions are thief and moth and rust destroy, when all of those things happen, then our joy is up for grabs. Then our peace is up for grabs. Then our life is up for grabs. But when, I, when my reality is anchored in eternity, when I'm anchored in heaven, and the things of this world are secondary, when those trials come, and the car breaks down, or this happens, or that happens, it actually adds joy to my life. My joy goes up rather than down. When we live from and for the kingdom of God, we will have joy. We will have joy. When we live from and for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, when we live for the kingdom of heaven and we live from the kingdom of heaven, we will have joy. You can't do it without having joy. The only way you're going to be a Christian and not have the joy of God in your life is if you're stuck between two worlds and you haven't fully committed. It's Matthew 6, 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Listen, this is, I talk about joy a lot, but I realize this was one of the very first foundational scriptures that I ever laid a hold of and I ever put into practice in my life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. What, is it, what does this mean? This is a whole other message, and I just want to take a moment. I do, I do want to pause here, and I do want to take a moment to just explain what I'm talking about here with the kingdom of God, because it, it's vital to our understanding of joy moving forward. Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to begin reading in 31. It says, Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for all of these things the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom of God. What are we seeking? What is our definition of success? What does success look like? How would we define it? What's it going to look like when I'm successful? You know, when I, when I, when I read this scripture, I think of the movie The Great Gatsby. How many of you have seen that movie? Right, and so if you haven't seen the movie, real quick, this guy falls in love with this girl, and he feels like he doesn't have enough money to properly take care of her, so he breaks up the relationship, and he goes, and he makes all the money, and then years later, he finds her, and he wants to get back with her, and he takes these steps to do it, and it all falls apart, and he loses everything. I'm not going to give away all of it, but that's basically the summation of the movie. When in reality, all he needed to do was just the one thing that he wanted. If he wanted the girl, just love the girl. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added unto you. I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to who have lots of money, who are unhappy with their life. Why? Because they're chasing things that don't add joy. They think they're going to add happiness, and they do to a measure, but they won't add joy. You can't take joy away from someone. Happiness depends upon what happens, but joy is anchored in eternity. Seek first the kingdom of God, and God will add every other thing that you need. Everything that you need will come. Everything. God's a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He will not let you. I have never seen, I've been young, and now I'm old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaking, nor their seed begging bread. He will give you every single thing you need. But when we seek first the, des- the kingdom of God, he gives us the desires of our heart. There's certain desires that we may... I, all right. I could go on all day. It's about Ecclesiastes, right? It, I love, this is part of the reason why I love Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is about, is about the futility of running after the things of this world. It's really what it is. And this is why I love the book so much. It just lays out the futility that we engage in in running after the things of this world. And it really gives us a better description as to why we should seek first the kingdom of God. All right. You want more? Go read Ecclesiastes. It's good stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God. There's more here in Matthew chapter 6. It actually starts in verse 25. I read 31 through 34. Check that out. We need to be a people who seek first the kingdom of God. When we put God first in our life, joy will be the inevitable outcome. We may or may not receive the things that we thought we wanted, but when we seek first the kingdom of joy, the kingdom of God, joy will be the outcome. Joy has to be the outcome. Joy has to be the outcome. I've quoted this more times than you guys can probably quote it with me. Count it all joy. 
When you come into various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must have its full work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if you've read along with me, I quoted it wrong because I quoted half NIV and half New King James because I learned it in the NIV and I read in King James. But that's okay. What I quoted is still what it says. Consider it pure joy when you come into different types of trials. When we seek first the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God is the priority in our life and trials come, we can consider it pure joy. We will laugh at the things that happen when our axle falls off of our vehicle or we run over something and we have a flat tire. Now, we'll laugh at those things because it, it doesn't make a difference. It's actually strengthening me in my faith towards eternity. When those trials come, it's actually getting me ready for my life in the next world. <laughs> when our reality is anchored in eternity, we face the challenges of this world differently. We need to be anchored in eternity. This is where we draw joy from. We draw joy from being anchored in heaven, being anchored in eternity. Glory to God. These things, I could say more on, on um, James 1, 2, but we'll keep going. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may re remain in you and that your joy may be full. It's important for us to understand that it's God's joy. It's not me. I don't work it up. I don't make it up. This isn't something that I produce in myself. This is God's joy. This is the joy from Jesus that he gives to me because, as John 15 says in previous verses, because I abide in him. I'm connected to him. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus' joy, God's joy may remain in you and that your joy, when, when God's joy is deposited in me, it becomes my joy. It's his. He gives it to me. And when I receive it, it becomes mine. But I get it from him. He's the source. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't create this. I don't make it up on my own. As I stay connected, he deposits it in me. An apple tree does not have to struggle to produce apples. It's simply the result of being healthy. An apple tree isn't there being like, yeah, I made an apple. That's not how it happens. You can go out into the orchard around, you know, blossom time throughout the summer as the apples are growing and you don't hear the trees straining. It's not like going to the gym where you see these guys, oh, right? There's none of that. The apple trees just exist and produce fruit. And so our life in Christ is the same way. When we're healthy, we'll produce joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
joy, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we are living a healthy Christian life, the result of that will be love, joy, peace, patience. It's just when we, when we get to the point, not saying that, you know, if, we're, if, we're, if we haven't done it all right, we can't have any joy. When we figure it out and we're really engaging God on all levels, our joy and our, our love and our peace and our patience is going to multiply. Guys, there's still times where I, I run out of patience, where my joy gets thin. But I know what to do. I know how to go back to the source. I know how to get healthy again real quick. And this is where we all need to get to, this place where we live healthy so that the fruit that's produced in us is apparent to other. A tree will be known by its fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. We'll be healthy trees when we're connected to the source. If we go back to John 15, the, the, the vines and the branch. If you were to look internally at the structure between the vine and the branch, you can't tell where one ends and the next one begins. The life, the faith, the life flows through the, through the vine and, it, and into the branch and out and produces fruit. We need to stay connected. As Christians, one of the things that should be evident in our life is joy. It, it should just be there. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. All of these things should be seen in our life as Christians. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to read all the way through verse 9. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. He's talking about heaven. Incorruptible, undefiled inheritance, anchored in heaven, reserved in heaven for you. It, it comes back to salvation. Do we know where we're going? When we do, we'll have this joy, as he's about to talk about. In this, you rejoice greatly. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, perishes, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's Peter saying here? He's saying, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and it may be mature and complete, having no good, lacking no good thing. He's saying the same thing that James says in James 1-2. In this you rejoice greatly, though trials come for a while to test you, to prove the genuineness of your faith, to bring you to a place of maturity. Verse 8 and 9, whom having not seen you love, though you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy, inexpressible, and full of glory. Are we filled with this joy that is inexpressible and full of glory? 
Do we have joy pouring out of our lives that is inexpressible and full of, our, full of glory? When we do, people are bound to ask us, why are you so happy? Why don't the things of this world get you down? Why aren't you worried about the current events? Why aren't you worried about this, that, whatever? I mean, we could throw logs on the fire all day long about things that we could become concerned and worried and frustrated and angry over. Why aren't you that way over these things? Because my reality is anchored in heaven. Because if it all turns out for the worst, I still know where I'm going. It's a win-win. If I stay, we all win. You win and I win. But if, we, if I go, then I win all the more. It's a win-win. There's no way I can lose. There's no way that I can lose in this matter. The enemy can't defeat me. There's nothing the enemy can do to come against me because there's no way that I can lose. It's a win-win-win situation for me. So I give him very little time. I don't think about him very often. When trials arise, I don't accredit the devil and I don't get mad about the devil trying to uh, do something in my life or distract me in my life. I don't think about it that way. He has no power. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. God has given me power over that stuff. And when my reality is anchored in eternity, I can live from a place and speak to those things that are in this world. See, it comes back to Genesis 1. It's, it's all about the authority. In the beginning, God gave the authority to Adam. Adam then obeyed Eve, and then Adam then obeyed Satan, and in doing so, they turned over the authority of the earth to Satan. But then when Jesus came and died upon the cross, he who was sinless died and took away the sin of the world so that we could come and regain our place of authority. And that's where we stand today. We stand in a place of full authority. Are we walking that out? We should be every single day. This is why we can have no fear. This is why there's no reason to fear when the enemy does something towards us or we see something negative occur in our life. We can speak to that thing because we know that God has given us all of the authority. We just have to have faith to execute it. We exercise our authority by faith. By faith. We believe in our heart and bring those things to pass. Jesus went to the cross to restore this point of salvation for us, this point of authority in the world for us. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, this is the process by which you regain the authority in your life. It's by coming back to a place of authority with, it's by coming back to a place of relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. See, sin is the problem. And sin is best described as disobedience. God said, do this. And Adam and Eve disobeyed and they did something different. And because they were disobedient, because they didn't obey God, they were cast out and their authority was taken away. But when we come to God through Jesus, through what he did on the cross, we're restored to that right relationship with God and now we can step into the authority. And that is available to every person on the planet whether you've sinned once or whether you've sinned a million times, the, the blood of Jesus covers your sin. 
And then we have access to the throne of God. Then we have access to all of that authority. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that right now. If you're watching online, I want to invite you to do the same thing. Make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. Pray this prayer with me if that's you. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave, and that you're seated in heaven. I love you, Jesus, and I ask that you would help me in Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to ask you to do just one thing, and that's check the Engage card on your box. Check the box on your Engage card. Glory to God. On your Engage card, there's a box that says, Today I follow Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you today, check that box. Online, there's an online Engage card. Check that same box. And uh, I would like to send you some information that explains the decision that you made a little bit better and uh, what your next steps are in following Christ. Luke 2.10 says this. It says, then the, then the angel of the Lord said to them, said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And so here is the first announcement of joy. Right before Jesus comes, the angel speaks to the shepherd and says, hey, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. There is about to be great joy in all the earth, and this is the great joy, it's going to be for everyone, and this is what it is, verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's the joy. Here's the great joy. Salvation is available. Someone is coming to save you. This is the joy. The joy is related to the salvation from the beginning of the story. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. The angel comes and says, hey, I'm bringing you good news of great joy, and it's going to be for everyone. The shepherds say, all right. The angels give them the, the date, the time, the place, and they're like, let's go check it out. Let's go check it out. Let's go see if this report that the angels brought is real. Let's go, let's go see. And when they have found out, what did they do? They told everybody that they know. And so this is what we are asking you to do. This is what I'm going to do over the next week, two weeks. Tell everybody you know, hey, we're celebrating Christmas because Jesus saves. We're celebrating Christmas because Jesus loves. He loves you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Salvation is available to you. Maybe you lead them to Christ, maybe you just invite them to church. But the point of the message, the reason for the joy, I bring you 
good tidings, good news of great joy, and it's for everyone. The good news is salvation, and when we find out about it, the natural response, what the shepherds did, was they wanted to go and tell everybody, hey, you're not going to believe what we found. Hey, you're not going to believe what we saw. This should be our attitude. This should be our attitude. We should go out and be so on fire to tell everyone we see about the joy of Christmas. You walk into Dunkin' Donuts and you pick up your coffee cup and it says joy. At least it did last year. I don't know, I haven't bought one this year. You pick up your coffee cup and it says joy. Joy. But I don't get my joy from a coffee. I get my joy from Jesus. You're, you're now, now you're witnessing. Now you're telling testimony. Now you're sowing seed. Any place you see joy, it's everywhere. Just walk through a, a Marshall's. The pillows all say joy. The the, the decorations, like I said, the hand soap, the coffee, it's everywhere. Every, the, the, the pasta packages, joy pasta, what? <laughs> this isn't my source of joy. My source of joy is Jesus. My source of joy is Jesus. Let it be a witnessing tool for you. Share the joy of God with others. And when people ask, why is it that you're so happy when they're asking 1 Peter 4, 9, be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is within you, of the joy that is within you. Always be ready. We better be ready. And if all we can say is that I have joy because of Jesus, then that's enough. If we can say I have joy because of Jesus and you can have it too and you hand them an invite card, even better. If you can say I have joy because of Jesus, you can have the joy too. Would you like to follow him? I'll lead you in a prayer. Now you're leading someone to Christ. Come on. Now we're about to get real. Now we're really sharing joy. You have joy in your life, and I can tell you how to give get more. The way you get more is by giving away what you already have. We think in the natural that when we give something away, that we're going to have less of it. But the reality of the kingdom is that as we give something away, God is backfilling our account. God is backfilling our account. So as we give joy away, as we're sharing a smile with someone, as we're you know, just making someone happy, God's backfilling our account and he's adding joy to our account. And so even as I'm giving joy away, God's giving me more joy, and, and now I can go and spread more joy. Next thing you know, I'm a joy machine, and everywhere I go, I'm changing the atmosphere. Yeah. And so how do we get more joy? Give away the joy that you have. Be intentional to give away the joy that you have. And when you're asked, be ready to give an answer. Glory to God. Glory to God. Anybody that wants more joy, I just want you to stand, for your, stand to your feet right now. I want to pray. I honestly, seriously believe that there is an anointing in this room right now for you to receive joy. There is an anointing. The Spirit of God is in this place, and if you want joy, you can have joy. All you have to do is ask for it. Just lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every heart. God, you see those who want joy, and God, I pray that you download a double portion of joy into them right now in Jesus' name. God, that uh, the, the smile on their face would go from ear to ear. God, that relatives that they know would say, hey, why are you so happy all of a sudden? Maybe you've been a Christian for a minute. Maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years, and you never 
fully understood the joy of the Lord, I'm praying that that joy of the Lord comes and it impacts you, that it, it, it's displayed on your face, it's displayed in your life, and it's a witness and a testimony to the goodness of God. Right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, deposit joy into these people. Deposit joy into your people. Deposit joy into every individual, every heart. Joy, 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 joy. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Strengthen our hearts with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, we're going to take communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, as we prepare to receive communion today. God, we pray that you would search the deep places of our hearts. God, if there's anything that we hold in a place that's higher than you, God, we surrender that to you right now. God, we pray that your kingdom would take first place. God, that you would be the only thing. God, that we wouldn't say, I'll serve God when, this or that. But that, God, that our hearts would be fully towards you in all things, Lord. God, that we would seek first the kingdom of God. God, if there's anything in our lives that we hold more dear than you. God, let it be seen. Let it be known to us. And God, we surrender it right now. We surrender it right now. In the name of Jesus. Let's take the bread together. Jesus, you said that this cup is the new covenant in your blood. God, we, Jesus, we thank you for your death upon the cross. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the restoration of right relationship. 
We thank you for the restoring of authority in our lives. We thank you for all that you've accomplished for us and that you've given it to us so freely. There's no way that we can earn it. God, we remember, Jesus, we remember what you did. We remember. We celebrate you today. And we ask for a fresh impartation by your grace of all of the things, the relationship, the joy, everything, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you guys have enjoyed the sharing series that we've had. Many of you have told me stories of different experiences that you've had throughout the weeks about sharing Jesus in different places, and they've been wonderful. Stories of uh, people witnessing to some of us and the aggravation that arises because we didn't start, we didn't start witnessing to them. Other stories of successes of, of witnessing and sharing. Other stories of uh, falling short a little bit in sharing, but the, the, the determination and the hope that comes that I'm going to do it again and I'm going to be better next time. So my hope in sharing all of this sharing series with all of you is that you would be encouraged. Whether you know how to do it or not, just start sharing the love of God. And God will meet you there. God wants you to share the love of God more than you want to share the love of God. And God is ready to empower you with the spirit and with the words to know what to say at any point in time. Pastor Tom will often say that he got saved on the wrong verse. I don't know that that's possible. But the point that he says is that the, the verse that they shared with him wasn't really a salvation scripture. It was really more uh, a church of, it was more, really more a church type scripture. And he got saved anyways. It's just the power of the word. And so I share all of that to encourage you, listen, it doesn't matter if you share the wrong scripture. When that person's ready to get saved, they're going to get saved. And, and you're the vessel. God wants to commission with you. God wants to do it with you. He, doesn't, he, can't, he won't do it on his own. He's given it to us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come receive the offering this morning. You guys are fantastic. I love you all. And uh, we'll see you here soon. Don't forget, invite someone to Christmas service.